Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, for this week's episode, I wanted to get into a variety of things. We have NBA trade deadline news. Um, Brian Flores is suing the NFL. We have some issues with the Rooney rule. Um, we could talk about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl preview. I uh, wanted to get into a TV watch list, and I think that is it. So first, we'll start with uh, the NFL coaching hires. Uh, the Bears hired uh, Matt Eberflus. Hope I got that right, but whatever. Uh, Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett. He was the offensive coordinator from Green Bay, which is interesting because uh, you know Aaron Rodgers had spoken publicly about him that he should get um, an opportunity to coach an NFL team. That he's smart and he just likes his play calling and stuff like that. Um, so obviously, you know. Aaron Rodgers even more so attached to Green, uh, not to Green Bay, to Denver now. Um, and Denver, you know, this was a smart hire by them because, you know, they're trying to lure Aaron Rodgers um, to come to play in Denver. So um, a smart play by them. Uh, Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel. Um, he's the offensive coordinator for uh, the 49ers. You know, so Miami went this direction. He is technically, he classifies himself as, uh, as biracial. Um, so he's one of two uh, minority hires uh, for this round of, of uh, NFL coaching hires. And, you know, for him, he was like the the left side of uh, Shanahan's brain. They had been together, you know, sh- the entire career of Shanahan's uh, coaching career. He also uh, coached with his dad. Um, and he was pretty much like the um, like the designer of the offensive plays. You know, he kind of uh, he was the one who put together the uh, the running game. And Shanahan trusted him. He he worked, you know. Shanahan worked with the other coaches for for the passing game, but he let M- Mike McDaniel do his thing as far as the running game goes. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a really good coach. You know, I'm just kind of interested to see, you know, what kind of staff he puts together there um, in Miami. Uh, but I expect them to have a really good running game. Um, and then uh, Brian Dable. He was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. He was hired by the Giants. Uh, we'll get into that one here in a bit. Uh, the Jaguars hired uh, Doug Peterson. I thought that was a great hire because, you know, he won in Philadelphia. You know, he won a Super Bowl. And, you know, you need a veteran coach, a coach who has won before, um, a coach like that who can who can lead a team and who has done it before because you have a young quarterback there in Trevor Lawrence and he needs some stability at the head coaching position and uh, Byron Leftwich, you know, former quarterback uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, past offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. He was considered for the role. You know, he, I think he was like one of two final options. He removed himself uh, from uh, consideration because he didn't want to work with the GM Trent Balky. Um, a lot of people want Balky to get fired. You know, he had his tenure in San Francisco where he, he, he did make some good picks, but he had a lot of bad ones. He, you know, loved drafting uh, injured players. So, you know, he didn't want to work with them. Byron Leftwich didn't want to work with them. And then they said, hey, we're going to keep him. So he, he withdrew his name. Uh, Raiders hired uh, Josh McDaniels. I thought they were going to go after Harbaugh, but there was, you know, that was only a rumor and they never actually met. Um, you know, I, I guess it's good. You know, I think he just failed miserably in in Denver, and and apparently they were cheating. A bunch of former players came out and said that they were recording a bunch of people, and then they got caught. And then after they got caught and had to change some things, they started losing games. Um, that was what like twelve years ago. So you know, obviously, I, I hope he's a lot more mature now and and can put this team together. But I guess you know the Patriots were going to trade for uh, uh, David or not David Carr, Derek Carr. So I guess he likes Derek Carr, and you know. Hopefully they can, I guess, take the next next steps or whatever. But um, very risky with Josh McDaniels because he backed out of the the Colts job last minute, and then he had that debacle in Denver. Uh, the Saints promoted their uh, defensive coordinator Dennis Allen to uh, to head coach after Sean Payton um, stepped away. The Texans hired Lovey Smith. Did you know Lovey Smith was was um, an associate head coach with the Texans already? I had no idea. I thought he was still at. Um, University of Illinois. I thought he was still the head coach there. I guess he got he got fired like a couple of years ago from there. I had no idea, but um, nice to see uh, Levy Smith uh, back at with a head coaching job in the NFL. You know, he won a Super Bowl too. You know, or he got them to the Super Bowl. I don't think they won. 
Um, but, you know, he, he's coached successful teams before. So, you know, maybe they need, you know, someone, you know, who's reliable and, you know, strong arm there and Lovey Smith, not one of these, these young uh, coaching hires. Uh, Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell. Um, you know, the Vikings, they had met with, they had met with Jim Harbaugh and Harbaugh left Michigan because he thought he was going to get that job in Minnesota. And he had said, according to, you know, his, some inside sources close to him or something. That's what this article I read said that, um, he wasn't getting on the plane unless he had that job in Minnesota, unless he felt super confident that he was going to get that job. Apparently they didn't offer him the job. You know, they thought that, um, they, you know, they weren't sold on, on Harbaugh coming into Minnesota. Me personally, I didn't see the fit for him in Minnesota. You know, I, I, I saw the fit for him in, um, uh, in Las Vegas. I just, I didn't, I didn't understand why he would want the Minnesota job. Um, and then after that, we thought maybe he'd want to be, uh, in Miami because the owner of the Dolphins, he was, uh, he's a Michigan alum and he really likes Harbaugh, but Harbaugh now he's, he told boosters and, and the AD, Hey, this is the last time this is going to happen. You know, I'm not going to do this again. Basically saying, Hey, you know what? I turned the, the Vikings down, but in reality, the Vikings turned down, uh, Jim Harbaugh. So with that being said, you know, there's with, after all these hires, you know, um, the Rui rule keeps coming up, you know, especially now, this offseason because Brian Flores, you know, former coach of the Dolphins, you know, he was fired. A lot of people were shocked uh, that he was fired. I was shocked. He had two, you know, pretty successful uh, seasons there in Miami, considering the circumstances of, you know, inconsistency at the quarterback position, you know, uh, depleted roster, like don't really have a running game. Um, you know, and, and everyone thought, okay, he's going to get hired immediately. You know, he might be a, a candidate for the Texans. You know, maybe the Vikings, you know, uh, he was meeting with the Giants. Well, Bill Belichick had texted Brian Flores, hey, congratulations, I'm hearing the Giants or whatever, basically. And then he's like, what? Did you hear something I didn't hear? You know, Brian Flores hadn't met with the Giants organization yet. They, haven't, they had an interview scheduled, but it wasn't there yet. And then he called uh, Bill Belichick. I was like, hey, did you mean to text Brian Dable? He's like, oh yeah, sorry, I made a mistake. Meant to, um, sorry about that. Meant to text Brian Dable. So then that showed right there that Brian Flores' interview that he was scheduled for later that week was bogus because they had already told Brian Dable that he got the job. So with the the Rooney rule, basically was like, okay, let's just bring him in so that we can comply with the Rooney rule, and um, we we have our guy. But you know, let's just go through the motions here. So that was a big fuck up by Bill Belichick, but I like it because it calls out what needs to be called out, you know, that there's fake interviews. And so, um, Brian Flores, he's, he's suing the NFL, you know, for the Rooney role. He's suing the Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins. And I think it was, uh, the New York Giants, uh, Denver Broncos, because in 2019 he had an interview there and he said, John Elway and, you know, in ownership, um, they came in, they looked like they had been drinking, the night before and you know it, it didn't feel like a genuine interview right and then obviously everyone came out and then they're um, um they're denying the claims and stuff but brian flores also had another another point that was that was interesting to me was that he said the owner of the dolphins uh was it stephen ross let me see yeah that's that's the that's Stephen Ross. He's the owner of the Dolphins. And Brian Flores claims that Stephen Ross told him that he would pay him $100,000 for each game that is lost because they want a higher draft pick to pick uh, Joe Burrow. He wanted Joe Burrow. And uh, Brian Flores denied it. You know, he said that's not going to happen. So they did everything that they can to win. And as you can see in those two years that he was coach of the Miami Dolphins, they did everything they can they could to win. You know, they started off slow this past year, but towards the end, you know, whether they were winning like five, six straight games and they were right there towards the end, close to making the playoffs, um, you know, Brian Flores ends up getting fired, you know, probably because the, the owner, he didn't comply with the owner's demands 
Um, and also apparently he didn't like Tua and he had some arguments with Tua and wanted more control over the team. Um, but you know, my thing is, you know, there's, there's two issues here. You know, one, you have the Rooney rule, which needs to be fixed. And you have, you know, these phony interviews given to minority candidates just so that these NFL teams don't get in trouble. Right. But then the other part is that you have owners and ownership groups paying and incentivizing head coaches to fix games, basically not directly, but indirectly like, Hey, you know what? We want this pick. Like if you lose so and so many games, like here's a number, we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars for each loss. And Hugh Jackson, former coach of, um, he was head coach of the Browns, Jimmy Haslam. He said that Jimmy Haslam gave him an extra $750,000 to keep losing in his short tenure there. I think he was there for three years. He won three games or four games and it wasn't like a direct payout. It was like a contract extension. And then, um, you know, the, the issue here though is also, you know, with gambling, the NFL is, you know, they're, they're going all in on gambling and, you know, you have all these, all these sports books, you have, um, um, you have Caesars GM and then you have, uh, DraftKings and, and, uh, fantasy duel, whatever, all these different or FanDuel, all these different websites. And, you know, if you're betting on the dolphins and then the owner's like, Oh yeah, we're paying the coach a hundred thousand to lose his game. Like that's a problem right there, you know? And then the NFL now, they say they're going to investigate. You know, do we know how, do we remember how all these um, inv- investigations go for the NFL? They hire someone who works for the NFL to investigate these serious cases and accusations. And then they're like, oh, well, we didn't find any substantial evidence. Like, have we heard the end of uh, the Washington football team issues and, and the rest of the John Gruden emails? John Gruden was was a fall guy. You could, I can believe that there was more uh, there was more emails from owners and, and people in leadership positions than just a head coach talking to a GM. There was people higher up, you know, probably sending some nude pictures of, of the cheerleaders and saying racist and, and homophobic things um, through emails. Like there's definitely a lot more because there was a lot more emails, but they only showed John Gruden and uh, was it Dennis Allen? they only showed their emails, right? But there had to be more stuff. So the NFL is just trying to cover up. They're, they're like, oh, here you go. Here's uh, here's John Gruden. He, he's lining up for a public assassination, but you know, we're going to keep all this other stuff private and then just say that, oh, we, we didn't find enough evidence, so we can't share uh, the, the results of the, the investigation. That's exactly what's going to happen here with the NFL and this gambling thing. But if they do find gambling, I mean – Technically, the the owners would have to vote someone out to to be able to lose their team, to give up their team, and I don't think the NFLs are gonna, the NFL owners are going to do that because it's a good old boys club, right? You know what they did with uh, Colin Kaepernick. I think they blackballed him, and we're going to see with Brian Flores with this lawsuit is uh, he's going to get blackballed too. I think so because he he should have been hired right away. Everyone knew it. Everyone thought that he was a great coach and he shouldn't have been fired at, at, from the dolphins, but there was a lot of stuff going on in the background still, you know, like the giants, you know, I don't know why they hired Brian Dable. You know, he's sure he's a good coach. He was offensive coordinator for the bills, but he has no head coaching experience at all. People will always say, you know, I see, I see this on the comment section and bleach report ESPN, like all these you know, these white guys are always like, Oh, they, I want to hire them based on merit, not based on ethnicity. Well, if we're hiring based on merit, then why did Brian Dable get the job over Brian Flores? Brian Dable's never been a head coach. He's never run a, a program or an organization. He's the offensive coordinator. He's he not the main guy there, right? Brian Flores, he was a head coach of the Miami Dolphins for two years. The Miami Dolphins have been a train wreck. He had inconsistencies at the quarterback position for those couple years in he still had a, a relatively successful tenure there in Miami. You know, g- given the the Dolphins' uh, recent standards there, he's the he's the man for the job in New York. If you want to take skin color all 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 the way, you know, out the window and just do based on merit, wouldn't you rather have the guy who was most recently a head coach and was successful, more successful than the guy who's just offensive coordinator for, you know, Buffalo Bills, who was obviously a more successful team, but you're not the head guy there. You're just a coordinator, right? Like I'd rather have the person who has most recent head coaching experience. And, you know, I have a team who has no discipline 
and you know they're they're having issues you know uh, scoring consistently on offense like I'm gonna want Brian Flores who was able to to do those things for for the Dolphins who had glaring issues the Dolphins had no business being where they were record wise for the last couple of years so I don't want to hear all that stuff like oh based on merit and all this like look look at all these names that were hired there most of them are, are coordinators there's only like three of them who have head coaching experience. Dennis Allen for the Saints, he coached the Raiders, did a poor job. Lovey Smith, when he coached the Bears, um, you know, took him to the Super Bowl. And then Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl with the with the Philadelphia Eagles. Those were the only coaches. All the other ones were just coordinators. So I, I don't get this whole, oh, it's based on merit argument. I, I just I don't understand that because Brian Flores is the head coach who who has uh head coaching experience. This just doesn't make sense to me. And um, Jim Caldwell came out and said, yep, I've had some phony interviews as well. Um, Hugh Jackson said the same thing. You know, this is an issue that the NFL needs to address with the Rooney rule. I'm not sure how. I don't think you can you can incentive you can give um, you could give uh, extra draft picks or something if someone hires a, a black coach because that I don't know. There has to be something better than um, than just like, oh, we scheduled an interview with them, you know, it, after you already made your decision on who you're going to hire, you know, they just go through the motions in these interviews. Like I'm sure we've all had, had phony interviews. Like me as a minority, like, you know, I recently relocated and been trying to find a job for two months. I I have a job now. I just, just accepted. So I start uh, next week, but through this whole process, like, you know, there's a couple times, you know, I, I, I get an interview and I'm in there and they're like, Oh, this interview is gonna last 30 minutes. So make sure you're asking questions or whatever. I ask like one question and then it gets answered. But, you know, every time I try to answer another one, they just keep cutting me off. And then the interview goes to 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, that was a phony interview. They want to check the box that they, they interviewed a minority. Like I, I, I get those all the time, really. And then, or if I'm like, if I'm leading the conversation and, and they're not asking me any questions or, or the, this is a big tell is like, Oh, what do you like to do for fun? They'll ask me that. This is, this was an interview a couple weeks ago. The guy asked me what I like to do for fun. So I'm like, okay. So I explained to him what I like to do for fun. And then I swear five minutes later, this guy asked me the same question. I'm like, okay, they're obviously going through the motions because a, he either forgot or B, he has no idea what else to ask. So he's just going to ask that. So I was like, okay, well, thanks for your time. You know, look forward to, to hearing back from you. Right. Like I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to hear back from you guys. And sure enough, I didn't, but that's what they have to eliminate. Like you have to have the hiring process. You have to be able to, uh, to vet all these interviews and don't make a decision. Don't make any promises to anyone. Like they should have, um, like a minimum requirement for, for these interviews. Like Mike Tomlin, he was a Rooney rule, um, interviewee, right? But he, he just like gathered the attention. He demanded the attention of the room and he convinced, he convinced ownership to hire him and he's been there ever since, you know, and he's been a very successful coach. Um, no seasons under 500. He's always been 500 or better has a super bowl. And he's one of the most respected uh, coaches in the NFL right now, but it's because of the Rooney rule. He got a chance to get in the room and he convinced them uh, to hire him, but they got to fix something here. So Brian Flores, he was, he was the finalist for, for the Texans job. They didn't go with lovey Smith, but you know, he's going to be the fall guy for this. He really is. And, you know, the NFL is going to try to air quote, uh, investigate this and see if there are any findings here. But like, look what they did to, to Colin Kaepernick when he spoke out about what he spoke out about. Everyone agreed. Oh, you know what? We're not going to, we're not going to sign him anymore, even though they were signing lesser quarterbacks. And you can tell me that he wasn't the same guy. I agree with you. He wasn't the same guy, but his last year, he didn't turn over the ball. He was still he was still uh you know effective with his arm. He was still effective with his legs. The team wasn't very good, but his stats were not terrible. There was guys who had worse stats than him that were getting signed. And everyone and the NFL they'll push this agenda. The owners will push this agenda through their through their, you know, media reports and through their their insiders like, "Oh yeah, no, he's done. He doesn't want to play football. All this, all this." When Colin Kaepernick never said that. He he said he wanted to play football and he was still in football shape, he was he was 31, 32. Like he was still capable of, of playing for a team, but there was older quarterbacks who were not as good as him getting signed. And you can't tell me that was that was organized by the owners to to keep him out of the league because he was a distraction. And when he was there for teams and playing, 
people kept saying, oh, I'm not going to go to the NFL games. I'm not going to watch football anymore because Colin Kaepernick, all these players are, are, are taking knees. The NFL owners don't want that. They don't want people talking about other stuff besides the NFL, right? They just want them to talk about the game. So I think they they orchestrated that to keep them out of the NFL. And now with Brian Flores, they're going to do the same thing. I promise you. The only way that Brian Flores is going to become a coach again is if the, if uh, Bill Belichick brings him back on staff with the Patriots because he was there for for a while. Um, that's the only way because. Not only he's is he exploiting the um, or is he exposing the Rooney rule, he's he's sharing personal conversations that he's having with with NFL ownership with Stephen Ross from from Miami Dolphins. He's sharing those personal uh, conversations. So if another owner has you know disparaging uh, personal conversation with with Brian Flores, like they can't trust that he's gonna you know stay silent on this. And like I said before. The ownerships, the owners of of the NFL teams, they're the little, you know, good old boys club. They're gonna try to protect each other, you know, even through scandals like uh, like Snyder of the uh, the Washington Football Team. He has survived scandal after scandal. Now he has new allegations coming out, and there's a bunch of stuff. And they still haven't forced him to sell a team because he transferred everything to his wife's name, but he's still there working day to day. So he found a loophole there, and they're not gonna kick him out. You know, unless there's like there's videos or, 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 you know, some audio of something, you know, by the way, they changed their new team to the Washington Commanders. What a what a terrible team name. But that's what you want. You want to you want to make it so it's like so boring that no one even cares to talk about it. He's trying to fly under the radar. And then the, this new report was that he uh, he was trying to bring one of the cheerleaders into his limo and like to, back to his hotel room to have sex with her. And it was like grabbing her legs and, and, and her backside. And and a lawyer, before he could bring her into the limo, a lawyer said, hey, Dan, this is not a good idea. Dan, you need to stop. It's not a good idea. We should not do this. And he had to talk him out of doing that. So with the Rooney Rule, yeah, I think, um, you know, there, there's obviously some issues here. You know, um, I don't want to hear the Eric Bien-Aimé, uh conversation, though, because there ha- there's – there's a lot of reasons why he's not a head coach yet. Like he interviewed for the Vikings job, uh, but then, you know, they went a different direction and, you know, his contract is expiring with the Kansas city chiefs and, you know, he's still the offensive coordinator, but you know, he has a, he has a dark past, you know, when he was in Colorado, he has some, there was some sexual assault stuff or, or allegations. And, you know, he has, he has a few run-ins with the law when he was, you know, in college and, you know, and just out of college and I don't want to. I don't want to say that that's probably the only reason why he, he hasn't become a head coach because it's crazy. Because all these other these other guys like the court like Hackett from from the Packers, he was offensive coordinator under Matt Lafleur, and he gets hired. But the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, we have said that they're you know one of the greatest teams, and you know they're going to be a dynasty and all this, and you know they have Patrick Mahomes. It's just crazy to me that the offensive coordinator from that team doesn't get hired, but all these other coordinators who aren't even calling the plays are getting hired, but Eric Bieniemy is. So the only thing I can think of is that a, he's either like a, a bad interview or, or B it's, it's, you know, his past history where it's kind of, it's kind of a checkered past. You know, he has some run-ins there. He's not squeaky clean. And you know, everyone knows if you're a minority hire, you had to be squeaky clean because for some reason, if you're a minority, they're going to dig up that stuff. But if you're white and you have all these allegations against you, sure. You can still, you can still uh, own a team, you can get back into the NFL. You can do all this stuff. You can do whatever. You can coach again, you know, because you'll get hired by your, by your buddy Urban Meyer or something, you know, like that's just how it is. They, they look out for each other when, um, when, when they run into issues like that. So I don't know what the fix is, but it's an old, it's an old rule where uh, it's a little outdated. So it needs to, to, you know, be changed to, to meet the demand of, of today's society. And, um, yeah, there needs to be more uh, more chances and stuff. But I don't want to. I don't want you know, as a minority myself, I don't want to just be like, oh, just get hired or just get uh, put through the door because of a minority. I want to be able to earn my way into into certain job opportunities, which I felt like Brian Flores earned his way to certain uh, job opportunities more so than these other coordinators did, right? Th- that got hired because I mean, none of them had a head coaching experience, you know, and he's he comes from. Uh, the Bill Belichick coaching tree. So, you know, a lot of people are hiring those guys. So I, I just, I don't understand why 
why he didn't get another chance. But, um, but yeah, th- those are my thoughts on, on the situation. Um, I don't think he's going to get hired unless it's with, um, with new England, because this is, um, this is not a good look for the NFL. And when that happens, I feel like the owners and, you know, league officials kind of team up to put things, you know, just bury things and make sure that they go away. Because, you know, leading, uh, we're heading into the Super Bowl this weekend, and a lot of people were just talking about the Rooney rule, you know, Jimmy Haslam and and, uh, and Stephen Ross paying their coaches to lose. Because it seems like they're only paying black coaches to lose, right? Am, am I the only one seeing that? Is that the coaches that are, are getting paid to tank are only black. You know, it's like, oh, here's, here's your coaching opportunity, but, you know, we're going to give you a head coaching job and we're going to pay you to lose, and we, we want to incentivize you to, to, to tank. But then, you know, when you try to get a head coaching job somewhere else because we fire you because we, we, we were trying to tank and it's just a bad look if we keep you, you're not going to be able to get a job somewhere else because you have this bad record. So we're just going to destroy your current, um, your coaching uh, reputation. So it's like, wait, what? So I get a chance, but it's it's a flawed chance and, and I'm going to have my chances ruined to get another job. Like I, I that that's one of my other major issues with this it's like wait what <laughs> the, the only the only chances the minorities are getting is to is to tank like that doesn't even make sense at all um so getting into some other nfl news here i don't know why this is news but this is news you know we're in the age of of social media where you know we have to if if we feel like someone's unhappy oh let's check who they're following on uh, on instagram or twitter um, this new one is uh, Kyler Murray. Apparently, he unfollowed uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, so that's where we're at. You know, in, in today's world. But not only that, the the part I found interesting about this was that he deleted all pictures of himself in a Cardinals uniform and all Cardinals related content on all of the social media platforms. So. Um, you know, right away I was thinking like, okay, does he want out? You know, does he have some some issues with with coaching? Um, I think a lot of this, you know, their their playoff failure and you know their end of season failures. I think that falls mostly on him. He had he has a lot of leadership issues there, as I've said. He, he tends to blame other people for his mistakes. Um, when the the pocket collapses, he doesn't seem as fast as people give him credit for because he ends up getting stopped by someone. Um, he's not improving you know throughout the season every season and that could be on on him cliff kingsbury injuries or whatever you know and i, and I said you know after the injury to to deandre hopkins it's like i want to see what this team is actually made of you know with, with the, these other weapons that they have on offense because they still have weapons you know hopkins is what top three top five wide receiver in the league but you know you have to be able to adapt when, when you have guys missing you know because they still had the talent there uh but you know, they were the last undefeated team to lose, and they just had quite the collapse in the second half of the season. Just terrible, you know. You know, they lost the games where Kyler Murray wasn't in, but, you know, the games that he was in and he was back, there was a couple games in a row, like three games in a row, where he threw under 200 yards passing. And they had no flow on offense whatsoever. And, you know, I think it's a combination of, of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. You know, I've said it before, like, why are we anointing uh, Cliff Kingsbury is this offensive genius. You know, do people realize or remember uh, that Patrick Mahomes went to Texas Tech and his head coach was was Cliff Kingsbury? Do we remember uh, Texas Tech playing in a big game while they had Patrick Mahomes and Cliff Kingsbury? I don't. The only game that that's of any recognition was that where was that game where they went to like six overtimes or something against uh, Oklahoma. You know, it was uh, Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes, and they were just, you know, going back and forth with crazy touchdowns. It was like 63-61 or something. That's the only game I can remember of Patrick Mahomes in college. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury there, like this, apparently this offensive guru who couldn't figure it out in college with Patrick Mahomes and hasn't figured it out in the NFL with Kyler Murray and all this offensive talent that they have. You know, they got rid of uh, Josh Rosen, Threw him in the dumpster and like, oh, let's get in, let's get Kyler Murray, and then, you know, basically getting the same result. You're losing, you know. I mean, you start off hot, you made the playoffs when you know people weren't expecting you to go to the playoffs, but no one took you guys seriously. So if I'm if I'm the Cardinals, like I gotta think of it this way: like, does Kyler Murray really expect to get 
a, a big contract this offseason? Are you serious? By the way that you played this off this season and, and the way you've been, you've been, been acting like when we lose games and like the way you, you handle the media, like what, why would I give, give you a, a big contract after the, this year you had same with Baker Mayfield? Why would I give you a contract after that? You need to prove it. You need to earn it because guess what? The shelf life of quarterbacks, we could give up, give up on you in like a year or two. Like we don't care. We'll just trade you. We'll sign someone else. We'll draft someone else. Look what they just did to Josh Rosen. The guy right before you, they gave up on him quick. So, you know, you're running the NFL, like just comply and just play. Don't start demanding stuff, you know? And then if it is a contract that you want, why don't you go, go throw, go through your agent or go talk to the GM, go have a conversation. Don't delete stuff on, on Twitter and Instagram. Like you're a 12 year old child, you know, like just handle it like a professional and be a man about it or look within yourself. Look what you did and didn't do as a quote unquote leader of this team. You didn't elevate your guys to the next level, right? So if you do want to, where would you go? Who would you, who would take you? You haven't, you haven't been consistent throughout every NFL season. He usually gets, you know, MVP love in September, October, and then he just fizzles out in November and December. So if you want to go fizzle out somewhere else, if I'm the Cardinals, I would I would call his bluff. I'd be like, you're not getting a contract this offseason just because it's a time to get it. You failed miserably this season. It was a complete failure by the Arizona Cardinals. They got where they were. You know, they have all these veteran weapons. They should have they should have beaten the Rams. You know, they they should have gotten their stuff together. You know, you have this so-called guru head coach and you have Kyler Murray, everyone's uh, point him as the next uh, dynamic quarterback, but I mean, you guys just don't have it. You're missing some pieces there. I don't know. I think it's more mental with him and, and Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know. They, they might not be seeing eye to eye as people would think. Um, but yeah, from the Cardinals, I'm not giving him a contract extension right now. I, I, next year needs to be a prove it year. Prove it. Win a playoff game. Win one or two playoff games because I can't can't go down this road again where. You know, we start off hot and then we just fizzle out late in the season. You guys need to be consistent throughout the year, especially if you want a contract. Or if you want, you can go play baseball. I don't care because, you know, they're not playing baseball this year. It doesn't seem like there's still a lockout and that doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon. Um, but, yeah, you know, and I know with all this, we, we have a Super Bowl on Sunday. You know, we have the Rams and the Bengals, you know, obviously – uh, there's a lot of pressure on the Rams because they're all in on winning the championship. They traded so much to get Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, they brought in Von Miller. You know, they have Aaron Donald. You know, they, the Jalen Ramsey trade from a couple years ago uh, made a lot of big moves, you know, to get where they are. So pressure is on them. You know, Sean McVay has been to the Super Bowl before. But, you know, he's another offensive guru, genius guy, you know, they, they, he coached against Bill Belichick of the Patriots and they didn't score a touchdown. They scored nine points and they were all field goals. So, you know, I, I think uh, the Rams is obviously a lot of pressure on, on Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford because they need to uh, prove that this trade was good for Matthew Stafford and good for their organization to, to give up all your future assets to, to get to this point to where you are. Um, but I think the defense is going to have a good game, you know, sack wise because the Bengals offensive line is atrocious, right? They're bad. They got, they give up nine sacks against the Titans, but there's something about the Bengals. Like, you know, I, the only reason why I know this is because I had Joe Burrow in fantasy football and, you know, during games, you know, they didn't have a lot of games on national TV. I don't think they had any on, on Sunday night or Monday night. I think they had one Thursday, but that was it. Um, you know, I check my fantasy stuff every time. And, you know, the first, first quarter, or first half, Joe Burrow will have like two interceptions and like no touchdowns, and they're down like 14, 21 points. I'm like, okay. And, um, you know, first time I was like, oh, damn, you know, I shouldn't have drafted Burrow. Um, and then I look back at the game at the at the end of the game, he has four touchdowns, and then they won the game by three points. And I'm like, damn, okay, maybe it was just a one, a one time thing. And then the next game, in the next game, same thing. He's like, he's like, oh, I'm down, down 14 points, you know, through two interceptions. You know, no touchdowns. You know, we barely touched the ball. And then the second half, he just turns it on. Three touchdowns, five touchdowns, like crazy games. He's like, he's just like the ultimate comeback kid. And they're they're really a second half team. And what's weird about this team is like they play like they're, they're veterans. Like they're even keeled. 
they don't get too ahead of themselves. They don't get too excited. Don't get too low. You know, if they're down, like they're down, they just like, they take it one play at a time, really. And then, cause they always find themselves back in these games. And again, I only know that because I followed Joe Burrow throughout the season through fantasy football and early in the season, like I said, like, I think he was kind of scared of, now I don't want to say scared, but he was too aware of his knee injury and he was, he was kind of worried about getting hit. So he was like, he was kind of shaking the pocket and I think that was causing him to throw more interceptions. So in the first half of the season, every game he'd have two, three interceptions, but then he'd come back and have three, four touchdown passes. Right. But then the last like five to seven games, he was on it. Like he was sharper in the pocket. He threw no interceptions, no turnovers. And he had that one game where he had like 500 yards and five touchdowns and then four touchdowns. He single-handedly, he helped me get third place in fantasy football. Cause that last week he just lit it up. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they seem to just like when they're, if they're down big, they were down big against Kansas city in the playoff game down big in Kansas city, like a few weeks before that in the regular season, they were down, it was like 21 zero or something. And then this past game, they were down big too. And, they just, you know, they stay, the, they don't change their emotion at all. They're just like, okay, we got to, you know, each play at a time. And then they come back and win every time. The thing about the Rams that worries me is like whenever they're up, they seem to uh, take their, their foot off the gas, right? They kind of let up on teams and they let them back in the game. Happened with Tampa Bay. If, you know, if Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator, if they called a, a, the right play and didn't do an all-out blitz like idiots, uh, Tampa Bay would have won that game and, and Tom Brady would probably still be playing. Um, but that's what that's the play that was called. So the Rams took advantage of it, but the Rams almost lost that game, you know? So if they're up big on, on Cincinnati and they're up big early, don't expect Cincinnati to just lay down and, and give up. They're going to come back and they're going to win that game. I truly believe the Bengals are going to win that. Game. There's no pressure for the Bengals and, you know, Joe Burrow knows this and, you know, he's, he's saying all the right things. I just, I just love this dude. He says all the right stuff. He's like, you know what? We're living in the moment. You know, we're not going to be too sit back and be happy just because we're here. We're here and we want to win, right? And I think he understands that this is a red shirt year. Everyone's infatuated with the Bengals and Zach Taylor and and Jamar Chase and Higgins and 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 Burrow and, and Joe Mixon. You got all these dudes and they're all like 25 and under. All under contract, rookie contracts and you know, they, they all put up the stats and they're just a fun team to watch. And they just have like this, this toughness from their, this resilience to them. You know, they just, they're never out, you know, they might be down, but they're never out. Um, but yeah, this is a red shirt year for him. Cause you know, if he, if they get blown out, you know, 28 to zero or something, it's still amazing what Joe Burrow did in his first full year with this team. Second year in the league, you know, first year was cut short after nine games after he's towards ACL, but for this team to do this with Jamar Chase as a rookie and, you know, Zach Taylor is probably still in his thirties. Like it's amazing, you know, for them to beat. Yeah. I didn't have them beating the Titans. Um, I had them beating the Raiders. I didn't have them beat or I did have them beating the the chiefs. I put money on that, but for them to get where they are, you know, with this franchise and it's just amazing. Cause you know, no one would say it's a disappointment if, if they lose, you know, uh, because, they weren't expected to, to be here at all. They weren't even expected to win their division, right? Um, but that's exactly why I'm win- I'm picking them to win because they're, they just they have nothing to lose. And, you know, they're still young guys. And they're kind of like those young guys who, like, who don't know the magnitude of it, don't know how hard it is to get there because they're here in their first, second years, some some of the guys' fourth years because they're there, right? And, and Zach Taylor's, like, in his third year coaching. It's like they're, like, too young to know what they're really in for. Right. And that's why I'm picking them because they're just going to play so loosely. Um, no pressure. They're just, they're just out there playing. And the Rams, it seems like if this fails, like it's a complete failure of what happened because like they have all these big contracts, no future draft assets, no draft picks. They're really tied into this current roster and there's like no flexibility basically. Um, so yeah, I'm picking, uh, picking the Bengals for that. Um, NBA trade deadline is on Thursday. We have some, some big moves already, you know, um, I'll have to recap. Let's see. Um, so the Blazers, I want to talk about the Blazers, not entirely sure what the Blazers are doing. Um, as a former Oregonian, you know, I, I get all the, or I used to get all the Portland trail Blazers games. Got to check what, what CJ and Dame are doing. Uh, but if you're a Blazer fan, I'd be, 
disappointed. I, I'm disappointed as a as an NBA fan. You know, obviously Damian Lillard has been out uh, most of the year. Um, he had a, he has a bad abdominal injury, and they might shut him down for this season. You know, but based on on these these trades that they've made recently, I would I would just shut down the season. Um, but the Blazers office front office <clears throat> and ownership they have the audacity to say that they still want to uh build around Damian Lillard like okay well if you want to build around Damian Lillard why would you trade Norman Powell the guy you just you know you traded for from from Toronto this past year and then you signed him to a 5 year contract because you're like okay this is an important piece to this Blazers team you traded him you, you traded Robert Covington you know who helps you out a lot defensively and then you trade Dame's running mate and CJ McCollum to to the Pelicans. Like, what are you doing? Are you trying to blow it up? Like, if you're trying to blow it up, blow it up. Trade Damian Lillard also. You know, you can send him to uh, to Philadelphia. You know, I'm sure Joel Embiid would love to have him, right? But that's one thing. But, like, you're saying you're doing one thing, but then you're doing another thing. I just don't understand how trading your, your second and third best player is, quote-unquote, building around Dame with the assets that you're apparently supposed to be getting. Because this is what you're getting. You know, for trading Norman Powell and Robert Covington, the Blazers got Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second-round pick in the 2025 draft. I had no idea Justice Justice Winslow was still in the NBA. Do you remember him from Duke? He was supposed to be the next best thing, and then uh, got drafted by the Miami Heat. We're like, oh, okay, cool. He's, he's with Dwayne Wade. He's, you know, with that, that structure and organization there. Dude was averaging like 12, 13 points. Like it wasn't that good. And I think he got sent off to uh, the Timberwolves and and maybe, and I, I guess he was he was with the Clippers most recently. Before that, I think at the Pelicans. Like I had no idea dude was still in the NBA. Um, and, and Eric Bledsoe, that's another guy. Like I didn't know he was back with the Clippers. Like he was with the Clippers at the beginning. And then then I think he, he was, uh, he had got sent to, uh, to New Orleans. See, I don't even know. And I think most recently he was with Milwaukee and that was a train wreck because he just, he couldn't do anything defensively and couldn't shoot. And then they shipped him off somewhere else, I guess. And apparently it was, apparently it was the Clippers. I had no idea that he was with the Clippers, but now, yeah, the Blazers have those guys. And then they just traded, um, CJ McCollum. And for CJ, they got Josh Hart. Um, uh, Thomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, a first-round pick in 2022 draft as protected, and then uh, two future first, second-round picks. But they gave up CJ, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure what what they're trying to do. You know, they they have you know 21 million dollars in trade exception. You know, sixty million dollars in salary cap space this summer, multiple draft picks and assets from from the Clippers and, and the Pel- uh, Pelicans trades. So, you know, what they're going to do now, I guess, is they're going to try to to sign big name free agents to to the Portland Trailblazers. You know, let's find guys who want to play with with uh, with Damian Lillard. But I don't think you're going to find a guy better than CJ who wants to play with Damian Lillard, right? Like. It's just, um, I mean, when when Carmelo Anthony was a free agent after after the Knicks or wanted to get traded or something like that, uh, you know, CJ and Dame they went and tried to recruit Carmelo Anthony. He Carmelo Anthony didn't want to live in Portland. He thought it was too much of a small market. He didn't want to live in Portland, and the only reason why he came to Portland, which was like four years too late, was because no other team were giving him chances. He's like, okay, I guess. Portland is my last chance. You know, Portland has always had issues bringing in big free agents, but, you know, now they have assets and expiring contracts, I guess. So, in theory, they can make a big trade for someone. Maybe Ben Simmons. Is that what they're going to try to do? Because I guess the Sixers didn't want... Um, they didn't want CJ. They wanted Damian. So, I don't I don't know if that's going to work. But, but yeah, who, who are they trying to trade to, to bring around Dame like they're gonna have a lot of money coming up this summer but I just I don't I don't see them making any big moves and Damian Lillard's probably like what the hell is going on you guys are shutting me down but you know they say you're gonna build around me but then you you trade our our second third best player like that doesn't make any sense at all like what other what other guys are gonna bring in for that 
But Damian Lillard is reportedly on board with the retooling of the franchise. Um, he's okay with with this year being, you know, it's pretty much a dead year. So he, he's just going to sit back and, and, and see what what happens during uh, during the summer free agency and, and what kind of moves that they make. You know, because he's he's 31 years old now. You know, he's he's towards the back end of his career. You know, like what's I just I just want to know what the plan is, you know, because he also said this was a report that came out a few weeks ago is that he prefers to stay on the West Coast if there is a trade. So, you know, that leaves Lakers, I guess the Kings, I don't know, uh, Warriors, Clippers, Clippers would be good. Uh, but then you have Paul George there. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess he's going to stay there. They're going to try to figure it out. Um, you know, moving on with, I guess, as far as the Pelicans go, you know, this is why this trade was kind of weird was that, sure, this this year is the bust for the, for the Blazers, but the Blazers are in, in 11th place. They're like a spot out of like the play-in tournament or two spots out. And the Pelicans are right above them in 10th place. So both these teams are like right there for the play-in, but one of them's like, ah, fuck it. Let's not do it this year. And then the other one's like, oh, maybe we get this guy and we can maybe play in the play-in tournament. You know, because I, I do like the trade for CJ because the Pelicans really need, you know, a scoring guard like him to help Brandon Ingram. I don't know if Zion's going to gonna even play at all. The last update I got was that, uh, what was it? What did we hear? That he was like training by himself in Portland or something? Like, that was like four months ago. So I don't know what the hell's happening with Zion at all. Um, but yeah, you know, the Pelicans, they start off horrible, but now they're, they're close to the playing tournament, which, you know, for that team, it's something, right? It's something, um, in other horrible trade news, um, the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers made a trade first, I guess I should mention the Pacers made a good trade early on in the, um, you know, trade season, I guess. They traded Karis LeVert to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland Cavaliers have been great this year. You know, they were, at one point, they were a game away from, from the number one seed in the East. Right now, I think they're fourth or fifth, but like three games are separated. This is an interesting Cleveland Cavaliers team because they play, you know, Colin, not Colin Sexton, uh, Darius Garland's leading the way. Um, they play with three bigs, you know, Mobley. And uh, you have Kevin Love coming off the bench. You know, Jerry Allen's there. He's playing really well. Um, but they need another guard, another scoring guard to kind of help things out. And, uh, Karis LeVert, he's a, sometimes he's a ball stopper, doesn't get other guys involved, but you know, he does get buckets. You know, the other, another thing is last game in Indiana, he had like 42 points, you know? So I think this definitely elevates, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They needed someone experienced like that. He's been in different locations, different spots, but he can put up numbers, you know, and that's what they need. Um, you know, this is, um, they kind of, you know, everyone's zigging. They kind of zagged because they, they're playing, you know, bigger. Um, but I, I, they haven't been on any, you know, uh, primetime games in the league. So I haven't seen a lot of them. Uh, but they need to be uh, more um, respected, I think, because they've, what they've done in, in, in a short period of time has, has been amazing. And I didn't see it. I know a lot of other people didn't see it. But um, so, yeah, let's go to the other trade that the Pacers made that, that wasn't very good. Now, usually you, you can kind of see where, where teams are going once they make a trade. It's like, okay, this team is uh, planning to rebuild. You know, they want to, you know, get draft capital, build for the future, like the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, and then it's like the Lakers. When they make a trade, okay, they're trying to, you know, um, maximize the last few years of LeBron's career to try to win championship, right? We all know what the plan is. The Kings and the Pacers, like the Pacers are obviously like they're in a rebuild mode, right? They're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to try to get rid of Sabonis. We're going to, we got rid of Levert. We're going to try to get rid of, uh, Miles Turner. Like we have some pieces here. We have a good roster, but it's just not working. I don't know why we're bad, but we're just bad. So we're going to try to trade them, get some draft capital. Okay. Right. So the, naturally the team that you think is trading for Sabonis would be like a, a playoff level team, like. I don't know, name anyone who's in the in the top eight, right? And then, you know, they need Sabonis to push them over the edge. No, the, the fucking, the Sacramento Kings, who are just like in Nowheresville forever, traded for Sabonis. That's not, that's not only it. But this is who they traded for Sabonis. Their highly coveted 
uh, assets that they have minus uh, De'Aaron Fox, you know, because De'Aaron Fox has been linked uh, to the New York Knicks for a while. But they traded Tyrese Halliburton, who is in his second year in the league. And last year, for his rookie year, he could have, he was in the running for rookie of the year, honestly. He was one of my favorite rookies, Tyrese Halliburton, because he was so poised and mature with the ball. He knew he, he knew where to pick his spots. He can affect the game in different ways without having the ball in his hands at all times. That's the guy you want. You don't want a guy who's, you know, has to have the ball in his hands all the time. You want someone who can affect the game in different ways. And that's what he does. He had this, this weird maturity about him. Like he was, he's like an old soul. I don't know. He, it felt like he was in the league for like five, six years already. Like he just knew where to go. And he's one of my favorite rookies. Um, I just, I just like watching this dude. He has a weird shot, but it goes in, right? But then him and then Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson, they traded like their three best assets minus uh, De'Aaron Fox. And then they got back Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second round pick. So, I mean, if you're Indiana, like, what are you doing? Like, it's a it's a pretty even trade both ways, but it's like, okay, so you have, um, you have Buddy Heald who's, who's 28 now, but plays the same position as TJ Warren. Okay, so what are you doing there? They kind of cancel each other out. Tristan Thompson, okay, rebounder and stuff. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, that's a good piece because, you know, he's, what, 22, 23, so you, that could be a building block for you. But the other ones don't make sense because Tristan Thompson's, what, 31, 32 now. Buddy Hill has said he's, like, you know, late 20s. And, you know, you have someone who plays the same position as him. So it's like that that doesn't really make sense. Maybe it's just for asset purposes to make a big trade somewhere else or, or bring someone else in. I'm not sure. But for the Kings, like, does not make a lot of sense because like why wouldn't you want to pair Sabonis with Buddy Heald who's a shooter and then Tyrese Halliburton who's you know uh, a dynamic playmaker there but but could also score and get other guys involved why wouldn't you want to piece those three guys together Buddy Heald Tyrese Halliburton and Sabonis you could trade De'Aaron Fox to New York maybe bring in a, a, a Julius Randle for some draft picks but I don't know it's just it didn't make sense to me. I don't know what what Sacramento is doing because your only your only bright spot on the team who's like who has like the brightest future I think was Tyrese Halliburton. De'Aaron Fox, I think we've seen the best of him. Honestly, he hasn't really progressed as much as we would like. Like I don't know if it's just because scenery. He's in Sacramento, um, and you know people just go out there to die. It seems like, um, but like his three point shot hasn't really improved. Like he's just been he's kind of the same player that he was like his first two years in the league, you know, and it hasn't, hasn't changed much. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what the, uh, what the Kings are doing. I don't even know if the Kings know what they're doing, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, speaking of Julius Randle, uh, the Knicks need to trade Julius Randle. This dude is a problem. Um, he's, he's a selfish teammate. Um, he's not like, he's a, he puts up numbers, you know, this last game he scored 30, he was 32 and 15, right. But they lost. He doesn't elevate his teammates, which is an issue. And there seems to be some uh, some leadership issues that I've like I've said with Kyler Murray. There's some with with Julius Randle. There was this video the other day of like a, a video assistant or something. He was showing a video on a laptop, showing him his last play and what he could do better. Julius Randle smacks the laptop out of this guy's hands. The coach's staff, some guy on the coaching staff, smacks the laptop out of his hands and then starts yelling at him. Like, what kind of punk move is that? Like, come on. Like, the Knicks are, they are a train wreck. You know, last year, they exceeded expectations. This year, people thought that they were going to, you know, get further, you know, do better. But, um, no, that's not the case. Uh, Julius Randle needs to be traded, like, today. He needs to go somewhere else because it's not working. I think he's holding the team back, honestly, even with, with the numbers that he's putting up. Um, he's not as good as he was last year. And then you have to deal with all the other extra bullshit. Um, so yeah, I would, I would trade him as soon as possible. I don't know what you'd get for him. Um, Brooklyn Nets, um, there's, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about, uh, James Harden, you know, and I, and I said this on my last, uh, my last episode or the episode before was that, you know, I don't, I don't completely blame James Harden because he was promised a couple things. You know, he was promised, Hey, I'm going to be part of this three headed monster. You know, Kevin Durant's injured. That happens. But Kyrie Irving, halftime player, Part-time player, you know, didn't he hasn't played a lot, you know, it hasn't been good, honestly. Um, you know, he's had some good games, but Harden was in, in in Houston, 
he was carrying the entire offensive load for that team, right? And then every time he would he'd come to the playoffs, he was just exhausted. Like he couldn't recover because he doesn't take care of his body, obviously, but he had no help there. So when he came to Brooklyn, he's like, okay, I'm not going to have to shoulder the load. So when the postseason comes around, I can have, you know, my 100% energy and effort. Like I won't be exhausted. But now he's having to carry all of the offensive load, basically, and they've been losing a lot, right? Uh, so obviously it's not the ideal situation for him, but you know, cause he's, he's aging like milk. Like he's just not, he doesn't seem like he's the same player. He's not as explosive. He's visibly fatter than he used to be in Houston. Right. Um, he's, he's significantly overweight. Um, he's not as explosive. doesn't get to the basket as, as easy because of those new uh, calls where they don't call, you know, the bump fouls or whatever, or when you dive into the uh, defender, um, so like in a year or two or maybe two years, he's just going to be like a very efficient or inefficient scorer. He's going to be at more out of shape. So if you're a team trying to trade for him, like you have a short shelf life, you know, like the Sixers, they've been tied to James Harden. If James Harden is the best you could get for Ben Simmons, fine. I would do that. But if you're trying to get Damian Lillard, you know, it seems like they're devoted to him, I guess, in Portland. Um, you know, you've been tied to, uh, Bradley Beal, but Bradley Beal, you know, apparently he was like kind of thinking about asking for trade, but then now he wants to wait another year to get the, another super max contract because he'll be able to get an, an extra $70 million, uh, from the Washington, Washington wizards than from any other team. So that dude just wants to get paid. But so if those are like your three options of who you can get, I think the one that seems more likely is James Harden, but that might end up being a bad trade. Like just checking out the trajectory of, of uh, Harden's career. Like he's, he's not one of those guys who's like, you know, in the gym all the time or spending a million dollars on his body each year, like LeBron or something like his injuries, like they just linger with him, right? Like he's still like, he's been out, he's missed the last four games with a, an ankle injury apparently. And then he had like a wrist injury. Like, I don't know. He's just, he always has these nagging injuries and I think it's a lot to do with his health and his, um, his ability to, to stay healthy and stay in shape. So, um, I'm not sure what, what the future holds for him. You know, I know Philadelphia, they need to do something, uh, cause Joel Embiid's playing out of his mind and, um, he needs some help, you know, but you know, Bill Simmons had this, um, had this inside information that apparently if, you know, the Nets are to trade James Harden to the Sixers that they would need a shooter back which means uh, Seth Curry, uh, which also could mean that Joe Harris is going to be out for longer than expected. Like he's had two ankle surgeries and he has, I don't think he's played at all this year. So um, a lot of issues there with, uh, with the nets. I think honestly, I think the Sixers are, are better off than the nets, but um, yeah, I think that's about it. Let me, uh, let me check while I'm making this. If there have been any trades since I started talking, Uh, let's see. Okay, there have been no other trades so far. But there there is a report that, that I just saw that uh, James Harden apparently isn't planning on re-signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he has this, an expiring contract. So the Sixers are trying to convince the Nets, hey, look, you know, might as well trade him during this trade deadline because you're going to lose him for nothing uh, in the offseason, which I think is true because he's... He's visibly uh, bothered by, you know, the Kyrie thing. And then apparently he doesn't like the way he's being utilized by, by Steve Nash. And um, yeah, he has a lot of issues with his current situation. So we'll see. I think uh, the Nets probably do need to, uh, to make a change there. Um, have you guys been watching the Olympics at all? Uh, you know, I've been kind of in and out. It's always hard to follow. You know, I was watching women's hockey last night, which is always exciting. They're playing Canada. They ended up losing team USA lost uh, four to two, uh, but Nathan Chen in figure skating, he had, he, he had a world record score. Um, so he's going for gold. I think that's tonight. Um, but you know, the, what a, a comeback for him. Cause four years ago, last Olympics, he fell like twice and I think he had a, a DNQ or something, but he, he did terrible last time and had a lot of pressure on him and, you know, was depressed and stuff for, for uh, a few days after that, he said, but, uh, what a way to bounce back. You know, you, you're waiting for four years to come back and then you break a world record is amazing. But um, a lot of issues, you know, uh, this year's Olympics because, and I feel like every Olympics is always something, but 
this Olympics is specifically is there's a lot of COVID stuff going on. You know, a lot of players had to withdraw or get sent home because of COVID or, or they're having to quarantine and miss their events. Um, and then also like on the slopes and stuff, there's, it hasn't been snowing at all, really like barely. So they had to make man-made snow um, and put it on these mountains. And apparently it's harder and um, you know, the snowboarders and skiers are having a hard time adjusting and a lot of people are, are falling and getting uh, disqualified. Like Michaela Schifrin, she was in line to get a gold and she fell. And so she got disqualified and she fell off the track. And so she wasn't able to finish. And uh, so there's a lot of issues. A lot of the, the food accommodations apparently are terrible, but um, there are some bright spots uh, for the Olympics. So we're, I think like five days in now or four days in, uh, but it's been exciting so far. So I uh, wanted to get into my, my TV watch list, some stuff I've been watching. Um, you know, Euphoria has been um, crazy this whole time. This past episode wasn't so good. They were trying to give uh, Zendaya a, uh, um, an intervention, but she had a, a really good scene <clears throat> this um, in the beginning of the episode where, you know, she's she's really combative. She's like completely different than all the other episodes in this show, like, you know, usually she's charming and, you know, people like her and kind of gravitate towards her. But this one, she's like, she's because she's clearly an addict the entire time. But now she's having withdrawals and she's she's attacking people that are closest to her. And, you know, she has this whole scene where she's like attacking Jules and and yelling at her and telling her you know, she means nothing. And she's ruining her life and stuff. And like she's she's such an amazing actress. Like she really sold uh, these scenes in this episode. And I think that episode, that scene specifically where she's yelling at Jules, like, that could have won her another Emmy just right there, you know, but, um, it's been crazy show. There's like three, three episodes left, I think in this season. Um, and the previews for the next, next episodes, like the, the, the remainder of the season has been pretty, they look, it looks pretty crazy. Like it looks like things are getting pretty messy. Um, what's his name? Um, Nate's dad, uh, Cal Jacobs, he like walked out on the family, just gave up on the family and he came out as gay and just like freaked out, was like peeing in the, in the, uh, in the entryway of the house. And, um, yeah, so I don't know where that's going. Um, Ozark came back. I binged it in a single weekend. Um, so there's spoilers, but, um, so watch like the first half, they're going to release the second part in May. It's going to be like another eight episodes, I think. Um, yeah, it's getting uh, it's getting crazy because now Ruth, she lost a couple people uh, closer. Darlene has killed like three people in this season, um, but there was a there was a major two major deaths uh, at the end of uh, of the season, and uh, Ruth found out about it and um, she's she's gonna go after some big people in uh, in in the second part of the season. But it's man, it's just an amazing show, and I'm. I'm sad that it's ending soon, but you know, has to has to go um, has to end somehow, I guess. But um, like Jonah is is kind of against the family right now, um, and you know he's kind of doing his own thing. He's trying to be a money launderer like his dad, um, and he's like really good at it. But then he asks he asks his dad Jason Bateman for help, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting, uh, but it, it's really good. And then um, I saw that. Um, Better Call Saul is coming back in the spring. This is, I think it's been two and a half years since we last saw, uh, Saul Goodman. And, you know, we saw Nacho what was happening with him. He was getting uh, chased out of the ranch in Mexico. Um, yeah, so this is the final season of that show. Um, I've been watching Yellow Jackets. This show is on, uh, stars, I believe stars or showtime. Um, Christina Ritchie's in it. Uh, Juliet Lewis is in it. Um, let's see some other names there too, but basically it, it takes place in two, like, uh, two time periods. Like, you know, it's about a soccer team, a high school state championship soccer team. They're going to nationals and they're flying over there with their soccer team and the plane crashes and they're like stuck in the wilderness for like nine months. And, you know, there's no food or anything. And this is supposedly happened in the 90s, right? So there's no cell phones or anything. But um, then, you know, to avoid starvation, I don't know who they eat or something. But it, you know, cannibalism is heavily implied in like the first episode. And now there's like, uh, then it goes, you know, it goes 
back and forth between present day and then between like the 90s when they're stuck in the woods. So, you know, there's only a few surviving members of that soccer team still. So like Christina Ritchie, Juliet Lewis, and then a couple other women are like the main characters in present day. And like someone's trying to bring back the past and, you know, come back for them. And, you know, and then someone who they were with up there who survived, like died, but it wasn't like a suicide. It was, they think it was, he was murdered. And then, so it's like, it goes back and forth, but it's like really interesting. And then every time it goes back to when they're, they're in the woods, I'm like waiting for someone to just get, get eaten, you know, by the other girls, you know? So there, there's like someone that they, they single out, I think. And then they end up eating her. I haven't finished the first season. I'm on episode six. So I think I have, um, I think there's 10. So I have four episodes left. I just, this past episode had a really a crazy ending scene. Um, it was, it was nuts. The way, the way that this person died was, was crazy, but I don't, I don't know if they eat that person, but, uh, I guess I'll find out in the next episode, but yeah, that's a show you should check out. It got a lot of, uh, good reviews. It's kind of, there's something, there's like some sinister stuff to it that hasn't come out yet. Like one girl like gets possessed or something. I don't know. It hasn't been fully explained because then one of these other women who's like in the present period, like she's like seeing stuff, but it's like not actually there. And it, I don't know. It hasn't, hasn't fully explained that part yet so i'm still kind of confused like it's it's not just cannibalism like there's some other aspect to it i don't know but um but that got renewed for a second season um but yeah that's uh that's what i've watched so far so uh, yeah check them out um but yeah that's all i have for for this week we'll check in next week back in the nba um hopefully there's some some bigger trades that we could discuss like i said uh, the trade deadline is on Thursday the 10th, so we still have a couple days there. And then uh, Super Bowl on Sunday. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So thanks for listening. <laughs>